Hi, and welcome to The Social Angle, a podcast that helps promo pros gain an edge in the social media realm. I'm Vinny, and on this episode, I am joined by former ASI interns and current professional journalists, Rachel Ramirez and Andrea Miller, to discuss what they're doing now, skills they learned during their internship, the role social media plays in their jobs, and much more. Rachel, Andrea, welcome to the show. Thanks. So great to be here. Yes, I'm... I appreciate you guys taking your some time out of your schedule. Um, so before we get started, can you both give a brief introduction of who you are, when you were an intern at ASI, and what you're doing now in your professional lives? Rachel, let's start with you. Yeah, um, my name is Rachel Ramirez. I am currently based in New York City. Um, I was an ASI intern, I think it was 2018. Um, I'm, yeah, I think it is 2018. And um, I am currently a writer slash reporter at CNN covering climate change. So everything, all things climate change um, related. And you, Andrea? Yeah, my name's Andrea Miller. Um, I'm a video journalist with CNBC Digital Video. I'm on the markets and politics team, which is also now the markets, politics, and climate team. So I also do some climate coverage. Um, but technically, my title is producer. But when I'm introducing myself, I just say video journalist because producer is so vague. And <laughs> I do so many different things right. under under that title. So um, yeah, I, I pitch stories. I write the stories. I write the scripts. I do the reporting. I do the interviewing. I do the editing. And I do the shooting. Um, so uh, wearing a lot of different hats. But I was an intern with... ASI in 2017, uh, right after I graduated college. Okay. All right. So uh, both of you are pretty much 21st century journalists, and we'll get into that in, in a few minutes, um, talking about wearing a lot of hats. We'll get into that. Um, but yeah, so you're both journalists at large multinational cable news organizations. Um, what has been the biggest challenge working for these businesses, and how have you been able to adapt? I'm going to start with you, Andrea, on this one. Yeah, I think the biggest challenge for me getting into covering sort of just national, like from a national angle into business news is is the challenge, right? Just trying to encompass so many different nuances of different industries um, and trying to distill like what's truly the most important thing the audience has to know about a subject into a 10 to 15 minute um, sort of mini documentary deep dive explainer video. So uh, trying to cover a lot of things in a little amount of time, uh, just trying to keep people's interest engaged in, in the video format, especially with, with business journalism, which does not lend itself to video, like maybe some other right. forms of journalism. So really trying to rely on the visuals I can while still keeping the audience there with me while telling the story of whatever it might be. I cover so many different things. And your audience is global, correct? Yeah, there is also also that at any given time, I really don't know who may be clicking on my video um, on the CNBC YouTube channel. Uh, So sometimes we'll look at the statistics to see where um, our audience is coming to us from, and most, most of it is from the United States, but if I do a story speaking to a specific region of the world, I will see that there's a pickup in, in viewers from where I'm talking about. Sure, sure. All right, Rachel, how about you? Um, I would say for me, it's just 
generally getting people interested in science. <laughs> so, um, I mean, climate change over the years has become such as, you know, a political topic and being in an organization like CNN where politics is sort of um, the forefront of our coverage. Um, we always have to write a lot of our climate stories with a scientific approach so that, you know, we have that evidence that climate change is happening um, and, you know, attributing that to a bunch of extreme weather events that's unfolding across the U.S. And I think a challenge as part of that is um, how do we tell that story to the larger audience that doesn't really, you know, that aren't in tune with, um, you know, the climate, so-called climate landscape. In my previous roles, I was able to do um, enterprise feature stories, kind of long, longer form stories uh, sure. about climate change and environmental justice and a lot of those stories. Um, but now it's kind of like a faster pace where, you know, I have to keep up with breaking news and then write sure. a story within an hour um, and turn it around calling people. And then on top of that, you know, telling the story, this tough story of climate change in a way that would you know, interest our audience in a way that would be impactful and, um, you know, in a way that I'm you know, delivering it in a way that they would understand sure, in like sure. person's terms. So that that's kind of the most challenging part. What, is there a, uh, and, and I'll throw this out to both of you, was there a big learning curve in getting into the, the niches that you're both in? Rachel, um, I'll start with you. Um, yeah, I guess I, I, I mean, Drianosis and I've, you know, I used to be a business reporter. That was kind of my initial trajectory. Um, I think after ASI, I went straight to Financial Times. And so I was a business reporter. And I think that was when I started kind of, um, I think I started looking into the fossil fuel industry more, like oil and gas um, markets. And then I learned, and I've always had like environmental um, stories and climate stories in the backdrop of my mind, um, just because of where I was born, which is in the Pacific Island. Um, and, you know, just my interest has always lined uh has always aligned with um, these stories. And then like after the Financial Times, I got a fellowship at GRIS, which is more of a smaller nonprofit, but focused on um, climate and environmental stories. And so our audience was very knowledgeable and specific about, you know, this very beat that we're in. And I think spending time in GRIS, I think I was there for two years and um, just being there and learning from my fellow reporters and writers there um, and editors and talking to a lot of scientists and experts in the field really um, helped me grow as a climate reporter and learn, you know, the science um, behind all of this. Um, I didn't need a meteorology or weather background. Um, I just, which helps because, you know, if I don't understand something like a weather um, jargon, I can be like, what does that mean? Like, how sure. would you explain that to like a five-year-old? Um, so, I mean, that helps. And, but the, I, I guess it, it, both the beats, you know, the business environmental beats really went hand in hand for okay. me. Um, it translated over the other. Well, it's nice to, nice to hear that you're writing about something that aligns with some of your um, interests. Um, uh, now, Andrea, let me ask you about um, your role. Are, was there a learning curve in what you're doing now? I've seen you do some fun videos, like you did a video um, 
with uh, you know Philly having uh, teams in the championships and and you know you did a fun video. So it seems like you know you're able to you know have some fun with what you're doing. But for the most part, are was there a learning curve when when you joined the um, you know the company that you're with now? Yeah, definitely. Um, from from each company that I've worked with, we just have used all different software. So for me as a video editor as well, like having to learn how to use Premiere Pro all over again, because I didn't exactly learn that in college. Um, so, <laughs> and then when I was at ABC, before I was with CNBC, we were using Avid. So sort of just like truly learning the technology that I need to be using to deliver okay. the stories in the format that I use. Strictly speaking on that, there was a learning curve. And then there's also just a learning curve with, um, when I first started with CNBC, I was an associate producer on our news and programming team. So I dealt a lot with, um, the news of the day, lots of breaking news and keeping up with what was happening on CNBC television and getting that online as well. So just the learning how they talk on the television and then how to translate that into something that would live in a digital space because CNBC TV is a lot different than um, CNBC online and just sort of like bridging that gap and just uh, just sitting in front of the TV and watching them on CNBC talk about stocks and what the market's doing. Um, that was very new to me. I had not done that before. Um, certainly not in the ABC News digital environment. So that was a huge learning curve, just a just basic sure. stock market stuff. Um, I did not study finance in college. I didn't even study journalism in college. I studied production. So oh, wow. that's where, so also just learning how to write an article um, was something I learned in, in my internship with ASI really, um, because that wasn't necessarily something that I was focused on while I was in school. Um, very yeah. interesting. I, you know, it's, it's fascinating where people end up. I'm actually a journalist by education. I went to Penn State University, got a journalism degree. So I'm very familiar with what you guys do. I just never became a traditional journalist after college. Uh, you know, I went into online. I was doing more production work. Uh, and, I, you know, I do some journalism, you know, like this, I consider journalism. I'm interviewing you guys. But, um, you know, certainly I, I didn't do what you guys are doing now for uh, you know these these large companies um but it's interesting that you mentioned andrea that there's a learning curve in the technical areas of what you guys do and i think you know going back 20 25 years ago 30 years ago journalists didn't really have to worry about stuff like that and we'll, we'll get into the 21st century journalists people who now are working in the digital area and they want to be self-sufficient they want to be able to do everything and they have to learn a lot of the new technologies that you know, revolve around digital. So again, we're talking to, to Rachel, Andrea, former ASI interns, now uh, professional journalists. Um, so let me ask you guys about um, some of the lessons you took. And I think, Andrea, you, you just mentioned this, um, the lessons you took from your ASI internship into your professional work as journalists. And I'll start with you, Andrea. Yeah, um, learning how to write an article. <laughs> Um, crazy. I mean, that I didn't really get to do that when I was in school because right. my major at Temple University was media studies and production. And while I did learn a lot of like basic communication skills, um, unlearning the Oxford comma was uh, something <laughs> I came into and yeah. um, in, in entering the journalism field. But definitely at ASI, um, I, I learned a lot about just like writing for like a magazine format as well as in sure. addition to the website, because 
had certainly never written for um, any sort of like published column, sort of like newspaper. Again, didn't study journalism, so never right. did any of that. So learned a lot and just um, getting my feet wet in that and learned a lot about promotional products. And I still <laughs> today, when I see like a promo product, I see the code and I'm like, I don't know what that is. Does anyone else know what this is? It makes me so excited. That's funny. I, I went to a brewery not long ago and I bought a mug that, you know, had their logo on it and I turned it over and it literally had the numbers on it, the ASI number. I was like, I know what that means. I was like, nobody on this planet knows what that means, except for a handful of people. And I was like, I know what that means. And my wife was laughing at me. She's like, oh, you're such a nerd. I'm like, yeah, I've been in this industry for 15 years. I hope I know that. Um, but anything else, Andrea, about lessons that you took from ASI? I know you, you, know, you spoke about the, the you know, learning how to write an article. Uh, anything else? I think the, the biggest thing really is just that uh, I learned that a career in this field is what you make it. So what I what felt interested in while I was at ASI and pitching those sorts of stories and then writing them up and just sort of like following that instinct of, well, okay, here's what I'm interested in. Maybe someone else is interested in this. And doing that during my time at ASI is definitely something that I brought forward into just the rest of my career from there is just sort of taking that time to, to make something of my opportunity uh, that I was given with ASI. So just sort of um, continuing to follow that instinct and yeah. Yeah. That's, that's great. It. That's great. All right, Rachel, now you. Yeah. I think that lot, that second half that Andrea said was, um, is really a big thing to me. Um, like, the way I crafted my internship at ASI and Teresa was such an incredible editor. Um, she helped me grow as a writer, I think, at, um, um, over that summer. And she was so kind to let me go out of and kind of pursue my own kind of angles and stories. Like, I think I remember um, one, one, one event that I remember going to was the Pride Parade in Philly and just spotting all the um, promotional products and, you know, the boots. Um, uh, but yeah, I, I think Teresa really helped me grow as a writer. And um, I mean, I'm not like Andrea where like, I've always had a newspaper and digital um, background, but I think ASI was my first kind of magazine style writing. Um, sure. I've always been in the like newsy space. Um, like this is how to write a story with like news first, inverted pyramid, and then all the other details in the at the bottom. Um, but at ASI, like it was really like a magazine style writing, and I was really just glad to go away, uh, leave my internship with with a cover story, um, which was really exciting, just seeing my, my you know, story in the cover and then just like um, uh, seeing my name and in, in, in plastered in that cover story. Yeah. So, um, but really just the, the writing style is like the biggest thing for me. And I really valued Teresa's help with um, her editing and the feedback that she sure. gave me throughout that. So you're more of a feature style writer now, currently? No, I'm more. I'm. I'm kind of both. Mostly okay. news because CNN is mostly a, a news um, okay. kind of driven organization. Um, so I do a lot of breaking news. But when I I do always have feature stories in the back burner sure. that I'm working on constantly yeah. that I keep having to put off. Well, that's great to hear, and I'm sure that uh, Teresa will hear this, and I'm sure she's beaming. Um, <laughs> but yeah, you know, a lot of great editors here that you can learn from uh, Michelle Bell, obviously, Teresa, yeah. you know, we have a, a good um, 
roster of editors and writers here. Um, so I'm glad that you guys took some lessons from your internship and you know, you're carrying them into your professional jobs. Now I have to ask you about uh, your social media work uh, because I notice you guys on social media. I follow you on Twitter. You both follow me. So I kind of see what you guys post. I got wind of what three, um, sorry, not three, Andrea was doing uh, when the Phillies were in the World Series, you know, through her Twitter account. So you're both obviously active uh, for your respective employers. Can you tell us that the role social media plays in your current job? For instance, is it required to have a presence on Twitter representing the business? Or are you doing that, you know, as a supplement uh, to, you know, what, what the brand's doing? Like, can you tell me just like how much they expect you to use social media and what you do? I'm going to start with you, uh, Rachel. Yeah, um, I don't think it's expected as much at CNN, but I think just seeing a bunch of journalists present on Twitter specifically, it's like a big journalism hub, kind of, I wouldn't say force, for lack of a better word, kind of really made me create my own Twitter and having a Twitter presence really kind of um, amplifies your own kind of credibility as a journalist, I would say, um, because that's, at least for me, it's one of the first places I look at if I want to find um, other journalists in the space or even jobs. Um, job, there's a lot of job prospects for journalists on Twitter, which is really helpful. And I know I'm talking about Twitter against the backdrop of what's happening internally with Elon Musk and all that. So right. it's really like a, a huge moment um, of what's happening at Twitter because it's been such a great tool for journalists, especially at least personally for me. Um, it's where I found a lot of my sources. Um, right. You know, like I, if, Hurricane Ian, when it happened in September, I was trying to, I was scrambling to find people who were impacted. And Twitter was the one place where I found a bunch of sources. I would just like, you know, reply to, if they're tweeting about it, I would reply, hey, I'm a reporter with CNN, can we talk or whatever. Um, so I think, one, it's a great vehicle to find sources. And then two, it's also a platform for myself to um, self-promote my stories and the stories that I work on. And to garner, you know, that engagement, audience engagement um, for my stories. And so it's really for that main purpose. Um, but also, you know, as journalists, we also have to um, uphold sort of the same ethics and guidelines that we do in our own stories where we can't take position, you know, sure. we can take positions in social media um, or else we get in trouble. But <laughs> so we um, have to just, uh, you know, stay in that kind of neutral. Um, sure. Sure. So it's, it's interesting that you're using the, the social networks to mine for information, look for source for sources, which, you know, I suspected you guys do that. I mean, we do that as well. It makes life a lot easier, especially, you know, in this digital world that we live in. Um, but Rachel, you mentioned about being neutral when you're representing the brand on social media. Now, is that monitored? Is somebody watching what you guys do? Or are you pretty much rogue? You could do what you want until <laughs> um, feedback gets back to the, you know, the company and like they have to kind of um, shut you down. Well, I just have to be super careful because, well, Andrea and I are both verified. And so that comes with a different mm -hmm. kind of status um, where you can quickly gain traction. You can a tweet, whatever you tweet can just quickly go viral. Sure. Um, and so... And because I'm a reporter at CNN, like that carries a whole nother layer where um, in this political landscape, it, you know, with 
where it's like fake news and it brings in another layer of like uh, social attacks sure. towards reporters sure. and journalists. And so, um, uh, one, I just have to be careful for, for my own personal safety and not to kind of, you know, take stands. Um, and I will say that climate change is not, is not a stand, even though it's, you know, become such a political thing, we have the scientific evidence to back it. So that's not really, um, even though a lot of people on social would reply to my, <laughs> to my right. tweets and be like, climate change is a hoax, da, 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 da. Um, but, you know, I, 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 I don't think I can, I, I don't want to, I don't, I choose not to go rogue on right, social right. media. And just, and also like, I don't want, I don't, obviously I don't want to seem unprofessional or whatever, sure. because it is a professional setting for me. Okay. All right, Andrea. Your turn. Yeah. yeah, no, I absolutely agree with everything Rachel said. Um, for me, I, I I definitely don't want it to ever seem like I have some sort of bias one way or another. I need to make sure that, you know, my, my audience can trust that I'm coming to the story from uh, a place of just wanting the truth and not trying to prove some sort of agenda one way or another. Um, and I, I definitely use Twitter similarly, finding sources, um, making sure that I'm also just like keeping up with the journalist community that is there on Twitter, um, which has been a, a wonderful place to be. And it's going to be interesting to see where Twitter goes from here. Um, besides Twitter, I am starting to use Instagram more to try to find sources, uh, which has, which has been interesting. Uh, that hadn't usually been my, um, like social media choice for that, but it, it is with um, the, the, I guess, Instagram reels and using sort of that vertical video um, sort of had leads for me in that, in that sense um, as a video editor, um, but also on vertical video and just using um, that new format in social media has been uh, an interesting, use of my journalism skills. It's like, I, we used to do something completely different with vertical video maybe <laughs> three or four years ago. And now it is, it's evolving, it's changing, and we're trying to figure out what works and what doesn't work. So I always have social media in mind when I am editing, and especially when I'm about to publish, I'm like, okay, what little, what little clips here would be good on social media? Um, like 30 second clip with like a graphic or something. Um, and then also like what you saw of my my Phillies um, vertical video that I made for CNBC, just truly, I saw that we had a reporter that was talking about that correlation. And I'm like, hey, my dad has like all this Philly stuff. Do you want me to like go be a dork in front of like his <laughs> memorabilia and like do something for TikTok, Instagram? Like I can. And they were like, yes, because we're trying to figure out sort of what works and what doesn't like what our audience wants to see with vertical video especially sure. youtube shorts now that's picking up now too mm -hmm. yep. uh, all trial and error with uh um figuring out what video works on social media right now which is very fun yeah so it's fascinating that you mentioned instagram um are you finding that you're able to tap in any other networks uh for your for your job or is it really twitter instagram are you, you you know, leveraging any other social networks um, for your position? I love LinkedIn. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, I just, I just truly like going on there and just like seeing what yeah. folks are doing. And I always share my content on there too. Okay. Um, and uh, yeah, I try to, whenever I have a, a video go up, um, 
you know, I do the cross platform. Sure. I got to post on Instagram and LinkedIn. And then I'll also use Facebook, but my Facebook is definitely more of like a personal um, avenue for me, but I'll, I'll still sort of go on there. I don't, I definitely don't use it as much, but you know, all the moms in my life want to (laughs) see. Right. It's more of a personal, you know, connection vehicle. I don't, you know, I don't use Facebook as much as I used to. Um, but Rachel, I'll ask you the same question. Uh, obviously you're using Twitter a lot. Are you using any other networks? Yeah. I mean, I use Instagram, um, but I'm not, I'm definitely not as like, um, I don't post a lot on my Instagram (laughs) than I do Twitter in terms of promoting my work. Um, I'm not as good as Andrea, um, and I do find reels and TikTok very challenging. Um, I always have to like ask my Gen Z little sister. I'm like, hey, like, is this something that your generation <laughs> would like find interesting? Um, and she always like gives me like the cool buzzwords now because I'm like, am I getting I'm like definitely getting older because I can't keep up with like the new changes. And I tried to make my own. Obviously, I have my own personal TikTok, but and um, I tried to make my own professional TikTok and I made a video, it didn't take off. And I'm like, how do I even do this? Like, it's so difficult. Um, But one thing that we, you know, I help out with um, the at CNN climate Instagram a lot. Um, So a lot of the stories that we put on the vertical stories we do. um, Sometimes I would go attend like a youth climate strike or a climate event. And I would just like take videos of myself and um, post it in their kind of live video, uh, live stream not live streaming sorry covering whatever is happening and keeping um, our followers up to date and then i would ask youth climate activists to take over our instagram instead because i think that's more interesting than me so (laughs) um but yeah those are just like the few platforms and i also barely go to facebook so yeah Um, that's only for family family. i think we're all in the same boat with facebook i think facebook is is a very good tool for groups uh you know i think that's from a business perspective that's where the value lies other than that i'm not really you know sold on what it used to be it's certainly not that anymore um anyway a couple more questions uh i think we really we answered this one i think both of you can agree that uh, social media is a very important tool for 21st century journalists. I don't think there's any denying that, you know, especially in this digital world that we live in, our s- sources are, are at our fingertips. So I have to ask you this question. Can you tell us your proudest or craziest moment as a professional? I'll start with you, Andre, on this one. That's an excellent question. Um, I feel like proudest and craziest are two different things. I think you can give me both. Yeah. Okay. Proudest is just uh, making that transition to working from home and like figuring out how to do this job from my house um, was uh, definitely something I'm really proud of, especially when we couldn't go out on shoots any longer because of the pandemic. It was just not safe to get out there with our cameras and do so. So trying to use like even just my iPhone, like in my house, trying to figure out like what I can do to just be creative. Like I think I like I set up like a desk before and like had my camera on top and then tried to film like me like writing on paper just and with my iPhone. Um, so just kind of being really uh, scrappy about about um, video production from home. It's just something I felt really proud about. Uh, definitely. Um, just making working from home work for me has been really cool. Um, okay. and I think just craziest would be, um, 
the number of celebrities I physically ran into when I worked at ABC News. Um, like I, I was like running back to my edit suite uh, from the bathroom because <laughs> I was on deadline. Um, and I ran into uh, Stormy Daniels. Um, okay. <laughs> it was like, oh my God, I'm so, like, I opened the door and I was like, Ugh. I am so sorry. And her lawyer as well, Michael Avenatti. I was like, oh, hi. I did the same with um, Bob Saget. I was like, uh, <laughs> excuse me, sir. Um, please, I need to get through this hallway. Uh, just like <laughs> random, right, random right. celebrities where I was just like, what the heck? Huh. Is My edit suite was right next to the view um, okay. dressing room. So they always walked by. So just okay. a number of, of sightings that... Uh, was just weird yeah you're in new york or you were in new york city I, i'm sure that yes. you know that's going to continue um so yeah proud I, I like that you know you figured it out working from home and you know you've got some crazy moments to share as well uh rachel your turn yeah um i have one thing one major thing that comes to mind which is i guess both craziest and i don't know if it's proudest but it could be i guess is when donald trump donald Trump Jr. quote retweeted one of my tweets, oh. which is probably the craziest thing ever because it was more of a bashing type of tweet and I got um, a bunch of like right wing trolls come at me. Mm. Um, and I was already at CNN at the time. So this is when like a lot of my PR team started helping me. Um, but basically, and this goes, I think, to our conversation earlier about um, uh, not showing any bias on right. Twitter um, and staying neutral, I think I kind of went a little, shifted a little, but I don't know. I, it was a question I, that I tweeted, and I'm just going to tell everyone anyway, which is that I tweeted something like, this was when Elon was going to buy Twitter, and I tweeted something like, uh, what would $44 billion have done for the climate crisis, mm -hmm. which is a genuine question, sure. Um, sure. at least to me, but a lot of people took it the wrong way including Mr. Trump Jr. Um, and so that tweet went viral. Okay. Even like right-wing media started writing about me, CNN writer, CNN reporter, tweets, da 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 And uh, I was like, oh my God. <laughs> and so it was just like this crazy, crazy thing. Um, I forget what Trump Jr. said, but it was something like, oh, you're right. Um, the shareholders at Twitter should, you know, invest something 44 billion dollars into climate change or something like that not not elon but like i don't know right. um right, right. something like that um but it definitely sent a bunch of um nasty okay. negative um yeah. responses down my twitter which i had to um kind of mute in a way right. um, just for my own men mental when health when was this how long ago was this it was when elon announced that he was gonna buy twitter which okay so April, several months ago. Yeah. Yeah. yeah 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 okay yeah, that's interesting. Um, you know, good or bad, you know, uh, they say there's no such thing as bad PR. Um, but I think in a digital age, it's it's tough when you have to kind of deal with the trolls. I've never dealt with something, you know, that extensive. I'm sure that when, you know, you probably woke up or you saw a million um, notifications and you're probably like, oh, my God, what happened? And then you look and it's like, it's blowing up. I think, yeah, I think what's good thing is that I'm just so lucky to have such a supportive team. Like I think thinking back, if I was still at like a smaller news organization, I probably wouldn't have that kind of um, legal PR support because of resources, but sure. because 
you know, I'm under the umbrella of CNN, I had like that legal support in case anything happens. Right, you know? right. And that's great. So proudest, craziest, um, you know, it's <laughs> however you want to look at it. <laughs> um, that's certainly a, a crazy story. Um, so before we go, I want to ask you guys one last question. Um, what advice would you give to somebody who is thinking about becoming a professional journalist? And Rachel, I'm going to start with you in this one. Yeah, I think my biggest advice is to just read, diversify, you know, your your news diet, whether that's um, TV, newspapers, um, radio. Um, but I think the biggest thing for me is really to read <laughs> and consume as much, um, uh, you know, not just news stories, but just news in general and learn about the world what's going on what's happening and the second part to that is just making connections if you really want to move up in the industry it's really important to make connections and maintain relationships with um you know journalists that you meet like i still you know we're talking right now where we've been you know our asi relationship goes back to 2018 2017 and we're still connected sure. and so just maintaining those relationships um is really important because you know you'll never know what you know those relationships might foster sure i mean you guys are here because you know i still follow you on twitter and you know it's it's great that you guys had a chance to come on here um andrea what about yeah. you uh i agree uh with everything um rachel said and i think um just uh just be persistent and stay determined you know you'll hear no more than you hear yes whether that be for the job itself or from a source you're trying to interview and um when you hear no from the source it usually means you're on to something um that's always my favorite uh, advice is uh, listen carefully to the no uh, <laughs> um so and uh I mean, just just learn what you don't know, like keep open to the fact that there's probably way more to something you don't know yet. Um, and that's always helpful in, in telling a story uh, as well. But um, okay. and in this environment, just like take care of yourself. <laughs> if you want to be a professional yeah. journalist, it is a struggle out there um, for so many. Um, so, you know, prioritize your your mental health um, and you know stay prepared for a little bit of struggle but stay true to your voice and the stories you want to tell because if you think something's a little weird a little off or you're interested in it there's a i'm gonna say there's a, a good chance a lot of other folks are too so right great advice um we did get a comment come through it says it's from asi so I'm thinking it's one of our editors who is you know, <laughs> using Facebook as the brand. Uh, so the question was, what was your favorite part of your ASI internship? Um, Andrea, I'm gonna ask you this first. Um, I think that, I remember we did like a huge like photo shoot. <laughs> I was gonna say the same thing. <laughs> this was gonna be my favorite too. <laughs> and I just remember that so vividly. And um, just like that part of the, the work it, just doing the huge photo shoot was really fun. Um, but like the little things are um, taking a pink starburst every single time I left the office <laughs> um, out of that jar that was like right, the right. door. I always took a little pink starburst and also all of the um, Reese's peanut butter cups in Michelle's office. Oh, nice. <laughs> yes. I remember the candy. <laughs> candy. I like that. One of your favorite Michelle, memories from ASI the things is that you find in Michelle's yeah. office. <laughs> Michelle's <laughs> snacks. Thanks, Michelle. Yes, and the alcohol too. But you didn't hear that from me. <laughs> That's what I was. Um, 
All right, Rachel, I, I know you agree with the photo shoot. Um, yeah. Anything else? Yeah, definitely the photo shoot. And I think just hanging out with the fellow interns in other departments was really fun, getting to know them. I know we had a lot of um, time spent together throughout that summer. Um, and I think, you know, some of us are still good friends and like we still kind of talk, you know, talk um, on socials. But um, yeah, just the relationships. Awesome. Well, I want to thank you guys for your time today. It's, it's, you know, certainly appreciated. I'm glad to hear that both of you are doing well. Uh, you know, you're, you've moved on to some, you know, really cool gigs. Uh, you know, I wish you, you know, the best going forward. Uh, now, if anybody wants to get a hold of you, can you guys let us know your, uh, your Twitter handles? Uh, Rachel, I'll start with you. Yes, my Twitter handle is Rach, R-A-C-H-J-U. Ramirez, R-A-M-I-R-E-Z is my last name. Hopefully that was clear enough. <laughs> All right, Andrea? Yeah, my uh, I, I have a very easy Twitter handle. It's just Andrea CMBC. That's it. There you go. <laughs> Andrea. Andrea CMBC. Someone took my at Rachel Ramirez, so I was kind of pissed about that. And she's inactive. <laughs> he, she, they. Oh, I hate when that happens. <laughs> Mine used to be Andrea Jazz Miller because my middle name is Jasmine. Um, but I just wanted to make it as short as I could, so I just did that. Um, yeah. But I am at Andrea Jazz, like J-A-Z-Z on Instagram as well. Oh, yeah. My Instagram's at Rachel Reports, so okay. <laughs> that's easier. <laughs> I didn't want to get into all the, um, you know, all the platforms, but if you guys want to throw that out there, totally cool. Um, but again, thank you for your time today. Um, I mean, this has been a great conversation. For Rachel and Andrea, I'm Vinny. See you next time. Uh,